All right. Well, David, this is the perfect time to talk about one of our favorite companies, Statsig. Yes. When we had VJ on ACQ2 earlier this year, they were already a pretty impressive kind of Series B stage startup with a killer team and early product market fit. But what's happened since and the scale that they're operating at now is pretty wild. This is where we get lucky in being very choosy with our sponsors. Sometimes these things happen to them while we're mid-flight. Yes. So I asked them for some fun stats. In the past month, Statsig shipped actual live product experiments to over 1.2 billion end users. Now, that stat is not deduplicated across apps, so there's some overlap. But I mean, even if you cut that in half to approximate actual flesh and blood human people out there, that's almost 10% of the world's population. Crazy. Okay, so that's one. Two, Statsig now processes about 130 billion events per day. So the infrastructure that Statsig now has to support these data volumes is pretty wild. And it's not like they just execute these events. They then take all the data from them, run huge statistical jobs across the whole corpus to compute the experiment results that their customers are running. It is just wild. It's funny, I hadn't thought to make this comparison until right now. So you said 1.7 million events a second. If you look at the visa numbers, I just pulled up my visa notes, Visa does 8,600 transactions per second. So that's, what, 200 times as much throughput at Statsig than at Visa? On the customer side, Statsig added arguably almost all of the most important AI companies in the world this year, including Microsoft, Atlassian, Anthropic, along, of course, with regular old companies like Notion and UiPath and Lattice and Brex and friends of the show Rec Room. The team also kept shipping super fast. At the start of the year, they had just one core product. Today, they're a full-fledged product understanding platform. They have dedicated feature flagging, warehouse native experimentation, and product analytics. Yep. So if your team wants the best platform in the world for making data-driven product decisions, you should reach out. Statsig.com slash acquired. And as always, there is special white glove onboarding for all acquired listeners. Our huge thanks to Statsig. Hey Siri, were you a good acquisition by Apple? Interesting question. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Sit me down, say it straight. Another story on the way. Who got the truth? Welcome to episode five of Acquired. This episode is about Siri and Apple's acquisition. Are we starting? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting. So uh, welcome back to all of our listeners. Um, As usual, you can um, give us any feedback or anything at Acquired FM on Twitter. Um, It's been a fun last few episodes. I think this is our last one before before the new year. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In the meantime, though... We've got a uh, special one for you here. We're doing Hey Siri. We are. We are. We are. Um, David, do you want to start us off with the uh, acquisition history and facts? As always. So Siri, uh, super interesting history, a spin out from SRI International, uh, which itself is a fascinating organization. Um, many people are probably familiar with based in Menlo Park. Uh 
it itself was actually started in 1946 uh by the trustees of Stanford um, and was originally called the Stanford Research Institute. And the purpose of it was to commercialize, well, to research and um, then spin out and potentially spin out and commercialize uh, basic technology um, and has been funded by the government, uh, Stanford itself, and many other sources over the years. Um, done a lot of great work uh, and in the sort of mid-2000s started working on this project called Kalo, which was funded by DARPA and that SRI was a major participant of. And the goal of that was to develop uh, an artificial intelligence-based personal assistant uh, for the government and the military. And uh, SRI uh, thought that the potential was there to spin this out and commercialize it uh, and put it on smartphones. <clears throat> so in 2008, um, they spun out uh, what would become Siri. And there's a really cool story about how they decided to name it uh, actually on Quora. Um, Adam Chayer, one of the co-founders uh, and the VP of engineering at Siri, uh, talks about how they came up with the name. And obviously it echoes SRI uh, that the company spun out of. Um, but Dag uh, Kitlis, uh, who was the CEO of Siri, had apparently once considered it as uh, the name for his daughter uh, when his daughter was born. Um, and just, just think of that every time you say, hey, Siri. Every, every time you say, hey, Siri. <laughs> and... Um, in 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 Norse, uh, Dag is is Norwegian American. Um, in Norse, it means beautiful woman who leads you to victory. And then apparently in Swahili, uh, it means secret. Which this is my favorite part. Uh, is as as Adam writes on Cora, a tip of the hat to their pre-named days of the project when they began as Stealth-Company.com. Which still exists. If you go to stealth-company.com, there is this really old school looking website uh, saying, Stealth, get in early. We are forming Silicon Valley's next great company. We aim to fundamentally redesign the face of consumer internet. And then in news and events, they have office location finalized on February 1st and January 18th. Money raised from top VCs, in parentheses, lots. <laughs> That's that's the key to success. That's my understanding. Those are the those are the biggies. Hey, you got an office. You got funding. <laughs> you're gonna re revolutionize consumer internet. All right. So fast forward. So it's it's spun out. It's its own independent company. Um, it becomes a consumer offering. There's an app you can download in the store. Where if you look at some some screenshots of it, I was just googling around earlier today. Um, I remember having it on my phone, but I don't remember how bad that UI used to be. Oh, it was so bad. But it was early days, so it's it's hard to know at this point, looking back, if like that was sort of table stakes or if if uh, they were actually just like yeah, way 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 form before function. Or, yep. I'm sorry, function before form. I mean, this was back in the days of ios 3 i believe and the iphone 3g and the iphone 3gs uh super old school and what was interesting i remember using siri 2 before apple acquired it and my favorite feature actually was the ability to type into it you didn't have <laughs> to use your voice uh and i'm so bummed that apple ditched that over the years yeah and well yeah i mean it's it manifests in so many other parts of the os but the the 
the main thing that they basically did was they took out a massive license with Nuance and used Nuance for all the speech recognition. Nuance itself being an SRI spin out from the past. Oh, I did not know that. But still an independent company um, that that uh, over the years has licensed their speech res- recognition technology to all kind of all the major players. Um, and they kind of combined that with partnering with a bunch of the the um, independent functions that, that Siri was going to serve. So um, looking up restaurants, Open mapping table, things, making reservations, weather, um, kind of all the APIs that times. you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. And they, um, they kind of went from there. So it, it became an app where it was theoretically easier to use your voice to look up all those specific functions. And quite honestly, probably a lot of um, if then statements, a lot of, of, uh, regular expressions, like kind of just parsing whatever you were saying. Bailing and wire and duct tape behind the <laughs> scenes. Um, what's interesting though, is like, I remember this being super cool as an app, getting a lot of press, downloading it, using it occasionally, but it was actually way harder to do anything on it versus just opening up the open table app yourself yeah and it's and, and thinking about that too i mean that was before there was proper dictation on the iphone so i remember um you know walking around and opening the nuance app the dragon dictation app to talk into my phone and then copying and pasting out of that into other things where i wanted to use it so at the time you know now we're looking back at like well i don't really use siri that much i use dictation a lot more than i use siri and that all kind of has been bundled together um in apple as, as sort of one big thing Yep. So the company spins out. They raise two rounds of venture capital from Morgenthaler and Menlo Ventures, uh, $24 million in total. The company, the app's in the App Store um, for just about a year, maybe less, I believe. And then in April 2010, uh, and it was only on iOS, they'd announced that they were working on Android versions and BlackBerry versions uh, at the time. Remember BlackBerry, Ben? It's been a long time. so far away. Um, And uh, and then in April of 2010, Apple announces that they're acquiring the company uh, for, they've never disclosed the price, but rumors are around $200 million. Um, And then fast forward another year and a half after that to the launch of the iPhone 4S in October 2011. And Siri relaunches as a baked-in feature exclusive to the iPhone 4S. Um, and as, as one of the most intense uh, betas of all time. I mean, I think for a year or maybe it was a, was it a full release or two full releases? Siri was technically beta. And, you know, any yep. any ridiculous things that happened with Siri, ah, it's a beta. It's the Gmail thing. Perpetual beta. Um, and, uh, and interestingly, in a very Apple-like move, when the iPhone 4S came out, they removed the Siri app from the App Store. So if you wanted to use Siri, you had to have an Apple iPhone 4S. I, I, and you know what? I, there's a variety of reasons they, they did that, I'm sure. One of which I bet people get confused. I mean, I bet you hear Siri comes out, you see it advertised, and where do you go to check out the thing that you're seeing everybody talk about on the new Apple phone? You're going to the App Store. And that that could be enormously confusing. Not to mention, I think it helps sell a lot of iPhones that Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get into that. So that's the history. So Apple had acquired Siri for for two hundred million dollars ish. Ish. Um, heard heard a variety of figures, but I think we'll we'll kind of lock on that on on what we look at the acquisition price this episode. Um, and that was sort of a pet project of of Scott Forstall. And if if you guys remember, um, you know he he was uh, sort of the 
second Steve Jobs of the company. And people talk about Johnny and the the design um, design aesthetic and and um, kind of that that focus on making beautiful things. Um, but Scott was kind of the product person that was like second only to Steve. And and I remember, um, I think I'm remembering right, but in the time when Jobs' health was declining, a lot of people were talking about Forrestal as potentially being the next CEO of Apple. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I mean, I think a lot of people now know Scott as the guy that kind of took on Apple Maps. Um, just just like just like Siri was going to be his baby, that that uh, Apple Maps was kind of his his uh, not to mention also. the guy infamous for skeuomorphic design and ios <laughs> i think that's a that's a after the fact assignment and and really easy way to say he, that was his little fiefdom but history uh, is written by the victors ben it's true scott's actually i think he produced the the tony award-winning broadway musical this year so uh, talk about quite Hamilton? a different departure no it was last year uh that this is worth looking up actually because it, it was totally crazy when i heard about it let's see so Scott Forrestal was a producer of Fun Home, a Broadway musical that follows the story of a lesbian cartoonist looking back on her childhood with a secretly gay father. And so interesting to see after he leaves Apple, total media silence, not doing anything else. Then we find out this is what he's been up to. And the, the really funny part, I remember, I think it was totally coincidence, but it was during the WWC DC keynote that he tweeted that he was, I think it was like his first tweet or his first tweet in a very long time. Um, so excited to have produced the, the Tony award winning musical this year. Thanks to all the amazing people that worked on it or something like that. And I remember thinking this is wow. unbelievable, like <laughs> right in the middle of the keynote. But wow. Uh, anyway, uh, so that the acquisition was kind of done by, by Scott Forrestal and that kicked off a, a, a long chain of things happening in Apple acquisitions. Um, Siri, you know, as it, as it sort of turns out, looking back, there's a lot of really intense research that has gone on since then in architecting these kind of voice and, and um, you know, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, AI systems. And, you know, we see um, a lot of them, I, I'm not sure if, if Siri is or not, but I know that, that Google's is and Cortana is um, architected in, as a neural network. And mm-hmm. Siri, at the time of acquisition, the company that was Siri was definitely not that. Yeah. And I think it's important to start uh, kind of at this point going forward thinking about Siri as two things. No longer as the product that Apple acquired, but as both an organization at Apple that is responsible for dictation, for voice search, for a variety of those things, and the product that is is shipped on iOS devices that we now today know as Siri. And that product is is, is of a ton of things all in one. I mean, I think that um, the impetus for Apple to actually create this this group and to focus on shipping this product um, in every version of iOS going forward that would not have happened without this acquisition, but the theoretical success that Siri has today as a product is attributed to so much more than that. Apple got extremely serious about hiring great people. Um, they um, they hired a, a senior director. He's now the senior director of Siri, uh, Alex Acero, who is ex-Microsoft Research. They made a ton of, ap- of acquisitions, um, including but not limited to Topsy, uh, Novarious Technologies, AutoCAD, Q, Spotsetter, VocalIQ pretty recently, pretty recently, and Perceptio. And these things, particularly Topsy, are really kind of the academic rigor around the, the search and the, um, the methodologies that Siri uses today. And I mean, I think Topsy, Topsy was another uh, $200 million acquisition. That one, Ish. 
ish. Yeah, I think actually that one might be re- might reported. Be probably. Yeah. yeah, but but Topsy is effectively the the backbone of how the search works within Siri and how the the um, kind of deeply technical part of it works. And I, I think a lot of really good people came came with Topsy. Whereas you, you look at the actual Siri acquisition. Um, all three of those founders are gone. Yep. They've started, I think, Viv, I think is how it's pronounced, yep. but uh, effectively newer, better, next generation New AI Siri. company. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, they, they had a lot of people atrit from from that acquisition. Yep. Topsy, a lot of those people stayed with the company. And from, from talking to some friends that are kind of in the know, really, really top people. And, uh, you know, I, I, Dave and I were talking earlier, thought about kind of doing... This episode, this is a dual episode on on Topsy and this in the Siri company because that's that's sort of how important Topsy is to um, the product that Siri is today. Yeah, I think a couple really interesting notes. I mean, as Ben mentioned, fascinating that this acquisition has led to the creation of this whole organization within Apple. That um, you know, AI search. Uh, and those types of that type of platform technology was so not in Apple's DNA prior to the Siri acquisition. Yeah, I truly believe that we wouldn't have this product shipped if not for, wow, we just unloaded a bunch of cash acquiring this thing. We got to be serious about it. Yep. And what's doubly interesting about that is that the actual people at Siri that Apple acquired, like they're gone. It was acquiring this company and bringing this product and this feature into iOS that was the first foundation of a platform that apple started building and uh, and all the great people that they've acquired and hired since then and you can argue i think probably very justifiable justifiably so that google is still ahead of apple in a lot of these areas ai search voice search um speech recognition um but certainly apple is not nearly as far behind as they would have been had they continued along the path they were before this acquisition. No. And I think that uh, in kind of thinking about any acquisition, you can use the framework of build or buy. Um, what's, you know, if, if you're thinking about it before you make the acquisition, you're a leader at that company and you've decided that, um, you know, this is something we need to pursue and it's going to cost us $200 million to buy or we could build. And, I don't think that that is the case here. I don't think that Apple could they even have built like yeah, would they've they, been they able to hire have. the really top people that they would have needed mm-hmm. to in machine learning, AI, speech recognition yeah. to make this happen. Yeah, I don't it's interesting. I mean, it would have been a tall order and and still was. I mean, I think that even after they they did the Siri acquisition, they they had a long long road ahead of them <clears> to to turn it into the product it is today. And the, the question it sort of begs to me is, you know, it would have a different name and it would uh, it would have started off in a different place. But what if they didn't acquire Siri at all and they just made all these other acquisitions and these other key hires? Because they, they've hired a lot of the really great people away from Nuance. Yep. They've actually architected the whole kind of um, speech recognition pipeline that they were licensing from Nuance internally. They've, they've rewritten and thrown away all the code that they've acquired from Siri. So... So there's no Siri people. There's no Siri technology. There's merely a Siri brand and basically what that original product did there. But a lot of the success of what Siri, the product in iOS is today, is not attributed to what they actually acquired. Yeah. And it's interesting, a little bit of an aside, but on Nuance, um, most of the major mobile 
companies, mobile platform companies, Microsoft, Google, uh, Apple, I believe most or all of them have moved away from nuance at this point. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, <laughs> gotta be some really upset account reps at, at nuance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love the discussion we've been having in a way, you know, we're sitting here at the end of 2015 talking about this. It's been almost six years since this acquisition happened. We haven't really talked about Siri, the product slash feature yet. Um, and I think, you know, I would argue as would a lot of people, uh, it really hasn't lived up to its promise so far. Nope. I don't know about you, Ben, but I, th- I use Siri for one thing, setting alarms. It's a... <laughs> It's a God. I would love to see the histogram of this at Apple because I think I just don't think Siri has gotten that far. Well, they have two problems. One, I don't think they've gotten that far from actually being able to, you know, do things that are like quote unquote learning, right? Like I know I have these very specific functions, much like the original Siri, where I go, "Hey Siri, look up the best breakfast restaurant around me" or something like that. And the sort of second problem around that is. If they have fixed that or they, they do in the future kind of roll out something that's much more technically sophisticated, that's truly like a deep systems approach to search and, and understanding and, um, you know, all, all these deeply technical things, how am I supposed to know about it? Because I think that like there are some of us that, you know, we'll watch the WWDC keynote and that's super cool, but it's a really sort of dangerous thing with um, these voice-based interfaces that don't have a layout of all the possible functions in front of your face that you can use. If it falls on its face a couple times for you, you basically assume it can't do things yep. in the future and you never try again. Yep. And you definitely fall into that uncanny valley and then you just reject it. And that's why I said it's super interesting. We're sitting here at the end of 2015 talking about this because I think it's non-controversial to say Siri as a product has been a failure. All these like even just basic, basic stuff like, you know, my wife's name is Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E. That's her given name. Every time I talk to Siri about my wife, it says J-E-N-N-Y. And she has a different last name than me. She didn't change her name. Siri doesn't like figure that out. It's so annoying. Super basic stuff. But we're sitting here right now. You know, Amazon came out with the Echo and Alexa this year. They're investing heavily in that. Uh, Definitely Amazon believes that voice and voice interfaces are going to be a huge uh, part of technology going forward, as does Google, as does Apple. In a lot of ways, I think this the the full story on this acquisition hasn't been written yet because there's going to be so much more to come. Yeah, and then there needs to be. I mean, the interesting thing... um you know, we say this show is about technology acquisitions that actually went well. And if you look at kind of the app, we can do this this episode of this show because Apple needed to do this. I mean, it's it's effectively table stakes to have a um, personal assistant baked into your mobile operating system. Like they they, it would be embarrassing. It's for funny this as you're saying that. I that. as you're saying that I I had my my left hand twisted back and uh i accidentally activated siri on my apple watch oh do you have hey siri on no it it was holding the the digital crown Mm, that's your fault (laughs) but but it's so fundamentally like this needs to be a part especially as you move into watches and televisions and connected speakers and being able to say hey siri to your phone uh 
a critical part of any platform. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. In trying to think of examples of things that Siri can't do, it the thought exercise of it is actually difficult because your mind is trapped in the things that you can do. Like I'm pulling up my phone thinking of like, you know, uh, hey Siri, am I going to have time to go for a run tomorrow before work based on when my first meeting is and the fact that I want to walk to work not knowing what the weather will be right now? Hi, Ben Lechaim. That's a mispronunciation of Lechaim because it's Hanukkah. <laughs> like right there's a long way to go long way to go we want to thank our longtime friend of the show vanta the leading trust management platform vanta of course automates your security reviews and compliance efforts so frameworks like SOC 2 iso 2701 gdpr and hipaa compliance and monitoring vanta takes care of these otherwise incredibly time and resource draining efforts for your organization and makes them fast and simple Yep, Vanta is the perfect example of the quote that we talk about all the time here on Acquired. Jeff Bezos, his idea that a company should only focus on what actually makes your beer taste better, i.e. spend your time and resources only on what's actually going to move the needle for your product and your customers and outsource everything else that doesn't. Every company needs compliance and trust with their vendors and customers. It plays a major role in enabling revenue because customers and partners demand it, but yet it adds zero flavor to your actual product. Vanta takes care of all of it for you. No more spreadsheets, no fragmented tools, no manual reviews to cobble together your security and compliance requirements. It is one single software pane of glass that connects to all of your services via APIs and eliminates countless hours of work for your organization. There are now AI capabilities to make this even more powerful, and they even integrate with over 300 external tools. Plus, they let customers build private integrations with their internal systems. And perhaps most importantly, your security reviews are now real-time instead of static, so you can monitor and share with your customers and partners to give them added confidence. So whether you're a startup or a large enterprise and your company is ready to automate compliance and streamline security reviews like Vanta's 7,000 customers around the globe and go back to making your beer taste better, head on over to vanta.com acquired and just tell them that Ben and David sent you. And thanks to friend of the show, Christina, Vanta's CEO, all acquired listeners get $1,000 of free credit. Vanta.com slash acquired. All right, so let's move into the next segment of the show where we categorize this acquisition. Um, I'm not looking at it right now, but I think we've got... We've got people, technology, product, business line, and other. For me, you know, our audience is craving disagreement here, but I just don't think... Well... Ben, what's your category? So I think if you like didn't do your research, it's technology. And you think you're acquiring this super academic. And I guess it is partly technology. And we've just come a long way since since um, Siri was started. But um, I mean, what it ultimately became for Apple is a product because they sure as hell don't have the people. And they they don't have the technology that it was originally built on. And the world has moved in a direction. And Apple is, to their credit, really kept up with this and, and, and put some serious muscle behind this and hired some of the top people in the field to, to build out the, the direction of the technology that's actually moving in. So I'm calling it a product acquisition. Ah, boom. I'm disagreeing. All right. Maybe I didn't do my research. <laughs> I think it's a technology acquisition. I mean, as we were just saying, like Siri as a product sucks. Yeah, I didn't say they acquired a good one. 
I mean, <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, look, we've already talked about all of this, but, but I think for me, it's a technology acquisition because I don't view, um, Siri as a product. Like, A, it sucks, but, um, I don't think it is even really, especially going forward, will be a product or a feature. I think it's just going to be so fundamentally baked into the platform. Um, voice and voice interface uh, and and the predictive assistant uh, parts of it um, that I think that is just going to be a, a fundamental technology piece, is a fundamental technology piece and will be more so over time. And yes, that's not exactly what they acquired, uh, but that was the kernel of it that they've built over time. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no doubt that voice will be more central to the way that human beings compute in the future and interact with machines. Um, I don't think screens are going to go away. I think we'll become much less reliant on them and much more conversational with, with machines. But the question is, is Apple doing this and building what they're doing today actually moving in the right direction so they're going to be the ones to create that future or is it going to be someone that fundamentally kind of takes a new approach to what is a computer how do you interact with it can you do it all over voice and not be hampered with a legacy of let's try and tie this future of computing into the way that people interact with this screen yep that's a great point um i guess that's me cheating and preemptively launching into technology trends um, Love it. The next part of our show is um, what trends does this illustrate for you in technology right now? That's absolutely one. I mean, every time I have someone talk to me about a thing that they're working on that's um, more about a natural interface or screenless computing or thinking about the movie Her, I've had probably three conversations in the last few months with with different entrepreneurs working on this, people at Microsoft, at there Apple. There are so many AI companies right now yeah. uh, doing everything from just like, we are an AI research company platform that is building to be acquired by Facebook or Google or Apple. I think uh, I love that theme and is so true in technology. Like you can't bring old world thinking into the future. It's, it's, it's like, it's like the Henry Ford analogy of a faster horse. Yeah. And, you know, we'll eat these words if in 10 years, Apple's the, the leader in this category and everyone's interacting with their, their voice device. But uh, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to see Siri today evolving into what I think is clearly the future of computing. Yeah, but I also, I also, uh, I don't think screens are going away. I think visual interaction with computers uh, is not going to stop and is only going to continue to rise with computing. Um, but you don't always want to do that. Sometimes you want a voice-based interaction, like in the kitchen, which is the primary use case for the Echo. It reminds me of a similar trend. So thinking about the fact that um, you've got this massive spike in tablet sales since they came out. For so many people, um, you know, the, the tablet is not as successful as the, the phone, but for so many people, the tablet is the computer that they actually needed. And ever since personal computers came out, people have been buying them, people have been using them for a variety of purposes. But it was really the device that we could build at the time that was over applied to a variety of use cases that were outside of the 
the specific thing that they were actually good at. Mm -hmm. And perfect story at my grandma's house uh, over Thanksgiving, helping her move some stuff around. She needs to unplug her computer because someone's going to be doing, they're going to be putting new carpet in, in that room and they're moving into the other room. And I'm like, Oh, well I'll plug it back in. um, And we'll set it up in this other room for now. And she goes, Oh, you don't need to. I haven't been on it in a month. And I was like, what? Cause she, I mean, she, she really does a lot on her computer. It's, it's not like she, she's on her iPad or well, well, she's very proficient with her computer. Uh, she's been fully reliant on her iPad and her iPhone. And I didn't realize this. I mean, I've been emailing with her and, um, I actually don't think she does her, her spreadsheets on the the iPad, but I I think, but she could, she could, she totally could. And it's, it's just me kind of explaining the new, new input mechanism to her. But for so many people, the point I'm getting at is, is that the computer was doing a lot of jobs and it had a very specific job. And then when the tablet came out, it revealed that the tablet is actually a better thing to do a lot of those jobs around consumption, around lightweight email, things like that, than the computer was. So then people are actually using tablets, a better thing for that purpose, for its intended purpose. Uh, I think screens right now are oversaturated the same way that PCs yep. were oversaturated. We've got screens doing a lot of jobs screens don't need to be doing. And sure, screens will be doing things where there's a heavy like display of information. Driving. Yeah, great, great point. Heavy display of information, um, things where you need to reference multiple things in parallel and not just have a single track. Things where you have modal interfaces where you need to understand context with new context on top. But there sure is a lot that does not need to be on a screen that we use screens for. Yep. Um Another theme that I'd throw in uh, that I think this illustrates is that consumer generally and specifically building great consumer products is really hard. I mean, I feel like Siri is a classic example that a lot of companies and products have a trap they fall into, which is I've got this awesome technology. We can do these amazing things. Look at these really cool, shiny demos. And then you get it out in the real world with like edge cases and delivering actual value on a consistent basis, solving people's real problems, doing that without friction. And it's really, really hard to live up to those promises in the demo. Um, and when you think about most consumer products, many or most consumer products that end up being really successful, they're really simple. And it's very clear what their value is. Um, like Airbnb, you know, which I've been on an Airbnb kick lately. <clears throat> my wife so. and I, my wife and I just signed up to be hosts in the last six months and it pays half our mortgage. And that's amazing. And that's like, as a host, that's what Airbnb does for me. And we get to meet these really cool people who are coming through and we're traveling for the holidays to a whole bunch of places to see family. And we're staying in, I believe, three different Airbnbs this month. So what you're getting at is you you very much understand the intended purpose of that product. Absolutely. It's so simple. It's so elegant. And it perfectly solves my problem. Siri, I don't even know what it's supposed to do. It looks cool. I watched the keynotes and I'm like, that's awesome. And then I never use it. Yeah, I mean, to take it to another, <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to, I'm on, so I have the new Apple TV and I was uh, looking for some videos on YouTube, laying there on the couch the other night and it's, uh, it is the worst to type into. Just like one row of characters swiping around, trying to tap individual characters. It's like being on PS2 again and I was using the keyword. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, wait, Siri, this is supposed to be like a really conversational UI. I'll use Siri. And I'm like, 
hey, Siri, look for the Aziz Ansari stand-up on YouTube. Or at first I said the Aziz Ansari stand-up, and it brought up like movies with Aziz Ansari and that were like, you know, theatrical releases. And I was like, oh, I should probably specify. And I'm like, look up the Aziz Ansari stand-up on YouTube. Exact same search results. And I was like, oh my God, it's not even plugged into YouTube. And like every time I have this brilliant idea where I'm like, I should use Siri for that. It doesn't really work. Yeah. So, and I think we're weirdos. Like we're tech people. I am the kind of person that walks down the street and it's raining. So I'm not typing on my phone. And, and what do I do? I like hold down Siri and I'm like, Siri, text back, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, because you're not worried about the social stigma of like no. talking to nobody walking it's down the street. Total weirdo. And I, you know, I'm fine with that, but I fully recognize that like, other people aren't doing that. And I had, I have to imagine if you could see the numbers at Apple of the people that are actually like using Siri on an hourly or daily basis, it's, it's probably very disappointing. Um, I'm curious, uh, as you're listening to this, if you disagree with us, you should totally let us know that you use Siri and what you use it for. Yeah, God, I'd like to know. I would love to know. <laughs> uh, at Gilbert, at DJ Rosenteed, at Acquired FM, find us. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to I want to add on that before before we move on, um, you know, this is also you know building consumer companies, consumer products is super hard. Um, this is one of the reasons why as VCs we really focus when we're looking at consumer companies on cohort and retention data because just like straight up acquisition data, uh, user acquisition data isn't enough. Like the question is, are people coming back? you know, month after month after month, day after day after day, are they continuing to see value from your product? And it's really hard. Yeah, I wonder. So uh, in February 2015, um, one of the founders of Siri um, was was remarking in, in a, an interview to TechCrunch that more than 200 million people use it monthly and more than 100 million people use it every day. So it's one in five people with access to Siri actually are a daily active user, which is a little shocking. Like, I wonder how wide the purview of that is. And I also wonder, I mean, every single person out there is going to laugh, but like you're, you're sitting in a meeting, you hold the button, it goes into Siri mode. You're super embarrassed. I can't tell you how many times a day I accidentally yeah. open Siri. I mean, <laughs> I'm just glad they turned off the little doo-doo so that I don't look like a total idiot in meetings. That must have been the number one use case for Siri was the <laughs> accidental, embarrassing meeting doo-doo. Yep. All right. Should we wrap this one up, Ben? Yeah. So I think it's time to give it a grade. Um, you know, I think that if they didn't do this, Apple might not have moved in this direction and might have tried to follow after Google and Microsoft did it. Um, I don't think it's really in their DNA to start this without going on an acquisition spree to start acquiring um, a lot of talent, hiring people from other companies. Um, these days, it's sort of table stakes to have it, but Apple definitely does not sell a single, like one single more iPhone because it has Siri versus it doesn't. I bet they sold a lot more iPhone 4Ss because it had Siri. Sure, once. Yeah, once. I don't think anything they're doing to Siri now sells a single additional iPhone. Agree. Or like when they, you know, add Siri to another market. I think that there's an interesting thing, like maybe we'll see in China, um, Maybe we'll see it pick up a little bit since uh, in, in China, it's so much more difficult to type and it's so much yep. easier to enter characters. Yeah, it's got got to be um, much nicer over there. And if, if actually you have any experience um, as a, a um, 
Chinese person or someone who has used the, the iPhone in China would love to um, get your feedback on that too. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think to this point, it's hard to point to ROI other than it was something they sort of needed to do long term. And I don't know that actually acquiring the company Siri was the best way to do it. Um, I'm going to give this one a C. Yep. So I think, um, this acquisition was just like so classically Apple, or at least Apple of the last few years, spend south of $500 million to acquire a technology company uh, that you then use to build into part of your platform uh, and your whole product platform. I'm thinking about, you know, Authentic and the fingerprint. Um, great acquisition. Great acquisition. We should do that in a future episode. Hey. Um the company, oh, I'm blanking on the name that they bought that was the semiconductor company. Uh, PA Semi. Yeah, PA, PA Semi. And God, um, has that paid dividends. Oh, they're, man. They're, they're, I mean, they're, are they the highest yield? I think they're the highest yield producing um, ARM chip manufacturer in the world now. And Not to mention, like, now Apple designer. designs their own chips. Yeah, and the fact that they can do their own system on a chip and the fact that they tie it directly into their operating system, they're able to do things like Touch ID where they have that secure enclave that sits separately than the processor. And talk. I mean, we'll do PSMI too at some yeah, point. But. So much good stuff. Um, yeah, but and when you stack rank those, like, unfortunately, Siri falls pretty far down the list. So um, I think I'd give it a... I'm going to give it a B because I think it is – I'm giving it a B because future importance of voice and AI is going to be huge for Apple. And if they hadn't done this, if they hadn't started when they did, there's just like Google and Facebook and, and maybe even Microsoft would be so far beyond them at this point they could never catch up no matter how much they would spend Sounds or like who maps. they would buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I just saw a stat the other day that like Maps is getting better and getting more usage. Well, yeah, it's getting more usage. It ships with the OS. Well, right. <laughs> I haven't tried it in a while. Uh, I didn't have a bad experience. I, I keep hearing it's getting better, though. So, But we still don't use it. So, Same with Siri. All right. B for me. B for you, C for me. I think that's uh, that's all we got. That's all we got. Happy holidays, everybody. We will see you in 2016. Siri, do you have anything to say to the listeners? I'm sorry, Ben. I'm afraid I can't answer that. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? This is a great time to tell you about one of our very favorite companies, Crusoe. So... Crusoe, as listeners know by now, is a clean compute cloud provider specifically built for AI workloads. NVIDIA is one of their major partners, and literally Crusoe's data centers are nothing but racks and racks of A100s and H100s. And because Crusoe's cloud is purpose-built for AI and run on wasted, stranded, or clean energy, they can provide significantly better performance per dollar than traditional cloud providers. Yes, we talked about that on our ACQ2 episode with Crusoe CEO Chase Lockmiller. The other element that makes Crusoe special is the environmental angle. Crusoe, of course, locates their data centers at stranded energy sites. So think oil flares, wind farms that can't use all the energy they generate, etc., and uses that power that would otherwise be wasted to run your AI workloads instead. Yep. 
Obviously, it's a huge benefit for the environment and for customers on costs since Crusoe doesn't rely on the energy grid. Energy is the second largest cost of running AI after, of course, the price you pay NVIDIA for the chips. And these lower energy costs get passed on to customers. It's super cool that they can put their data centers out there in these remote locations where, quote unquote, energy happens, as opposed to the other hyperscalers such as AWS and Google and Azure, who need to build their data centers close to major traffic hubs where the Internet happens because they are doing everything in their clouds. Yep. If you, your company or your portfolio companies would like to use the lower cost and more performant infrastructure for your AI workloads, Go to crusocloud.com slash acquired, that's C-R-U-S-O-E cloud.com slash acquired, or click the link in the show notes. 